Hello everybody, it's Colin Ellis here and welcome to another Culture and Coffee podcast on Monday the 17th of January 2022. Where is the year going already? Uh, and a little treat for, well for me mainly, not you, um, is I'm in Canberra today and I'm perched outside a coffee shop, my favourite little coffee shop in Canberra. Uh, which is on the street, so you're going to get all of the sounds, you get people making coffee in the background. There's a guy blowing trash over there. We're near a, near a bus station, so you get some public service announcement. Please keep a mask on at all times. That's like the standard public service announcement at the minute, isn't it? Just to remind you to never show your face in uh, public. Um, so, yeah, how are you going? How was your weekend? My, my sports team sacked its manager uh, today, uh, which is cause for great celebration which kind of goes against me rooting for everybody this year you know I really want the best for everybody but this guy just really wasn't doing it for the sports team so there's a bit of self-reflection I need to do on that over the next day or two and wonder what's next for my sports team which invariably affects my attitude uh, unfortunately the way that it does also I also watched England get absolutely demolished in cricket which also affects my attitude so I'm really looking forward to work this week uh, which is great starting with this uh, podcast so yeah so in Canberra I'm on the corner of Bunda Street and Mort Street so I've done a fair bit of work in Canberra Canberra is I'll give you a history of Canberra uh, in a second. Um, but I think every if you like coffee, if you like wine, if you're a foodie, you, you tend to have your favourite places. And one of the things when I'm, when I'm travelling, and it doesn't matter where I am, I'll always look, you know, and I'll do a lot of research on where's the best coffee, where's the best whiskey, all of, all of these kinds of things. Actually, you know, I was in Las Vegas a few years ago now it seems like a dream now that I was ever there and you know I did a lot of research on whiskey bars and of course there's lots of whiskey bars inside casinos but I found this place right in the north of the city kind of in old Las Vegas and it's in like this almost like container park like containers with shops and stuff and one of them's a whiskey bar and so that's a go-to place now but here in Canberra my go-to place is a place called Tonic Espresso and it's right opposite actually a client who I worked with for, for about a year on the culture, I had a great time working with them, uh, but it was so handy having your favourite coffee shop right opposite where your client works um, so this, this week's coffee is a La Illusion La Illusion from Nicaragua so lots of Central America I mean I've been drinking lots of Central American coffee recently where my preference would normally be Ethiopia and Kenya and um, yeah, I just feel on the podcast recently we've had a lot of Central American stuff, which, you know, I read the old Patagonian Express by Paul Theroux uh, at the end of last year. So I really, I'm really feeling that entire culture. So it's got uh, notes of ripe peach, yellow nectarine, white florals and white grape. I had to bully the guy into giving me the bag because they do a batch brew here. So if you remember, for those of you who listened to the previous podcast, the batch brew, it's just like the filter coffee, but they brew it in batches essentially and they keep it in vacuum sealed uh, containers. And I was like, what, what batch brew is it? And he was like, oh, it's this one. It's like, can I have the bag, please, so I can read what, can I, so I can read it. Um, so yes, it's got ripe peach, yellow nectarine, white floors and white grapes. So it's very much a stone fruit uh, kind of coffee. Just give me a second. Oh, that is really... I'm definitely getting the white florals and the grape. Oh, that is really good. Uh, yeah, so it's roasted by Ona. Uh, O-N-A. Ona? Or it might be Onya. 
coffee roasters uh, who are based here in Canberra. Now, quick interesting point about Onya Coffee. I'm going to call them Onya Coffee, it feels right. Onya Coffee is it's uh, founded by former Olympic handball player Sasa Sestich. Sasa Sestich. Uh, in his garage here in Canberra. Uh, so he just decided he wanted to change change and that's what he did. Uh, Sasa Sestic is from uh, Serbia and Serbian sports people have been in the news here in Australia, you may have noticed, but thankfully uh, nothing controversial about Sasa and he's still here. So let me tell you a little bit about Canberra before, because this in, in this week's podcast I want, I want to talk about what employees are looking for in 2022. So Canberra, interesting place, and I really like Canberra. I don't, all the Australian cities I like for different reasons. Um, I, you know, kind of Sydney's got a bit of the glitz going on. It's, it feels a bit for someone from the northwest of England. It feels a bit. It feels a bit London. I have to say, Sydney with its, with its harbour and its, you know, with its opera house. Melbourne is obviously home, and and I love because I don't know. There are parts of it that just feel a bit gritty, a bit rough around the edges. I don't mean it's unsafe, I don't mean that. Uh, but it's got a thriving arts and sports scene, which very much reminds me of the kind of northwest of England. You know, it's really friendly. Not that Sydney's unfriendly, but it's really friendly. Um, Brisbane is is, is 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 completely different. It's a city like, like no other that I'd visited. I remember the first time I was going there, I walked off the plane, it was like a million degrees when I stepped off. It was really humid. Um, but there was... Um, there's a casualness to the city. It's still serious in what it does, but it just feels very easygoing. Whereas Canberra is very businesslike. It's a it's a government city. Um, it's purpose built uh, and it's planned. But so so the, a brief, very brief history of Canberra is essentially, you know, when the British colonised Australia, couldn't decide on the typical Brits. It's like right, we're going to colonise this. We can't decide where's the capital. Like it was between Sydney and and Melbourne, and and because they couldn't make a decision, what they decided to do is rather make a tough call because that would be the easiest thing to do. Is they do something harder and build a completely new city. So uh, on the on the, the area that was chosen is is kind of is inhabited by the Nunawal people. Um, and it kind of lies some way between the two, but it's closer to New South Wales. So they, you know, they said, okay, okay, we'll build it close to New South Wales. It's got to be at least 100 miles from Sydney. That was the kind of compromise that they reached. And then it was an entirely kind of planned city and community. And so it's really interesting, if you've ever read anything about planned cities and planned communities, they're very, obviously very, very deliberate about the way that they go about them. So if you've ever visited Washington, Washington DC similarly is a, is a planned city, New Delhi is a planned city, Brasilia in Brazil. So, so you know, you've got a few of these kind of global capitals which are planned city. Yeah. Hemel Hempstead, uh, Milton Keynes in England, all of these planned cities. But, but, but Canberra, it's very grid, it's very easy to get around, it's, it's influenced by the garden city movement, we hired scooters. Took a bit of a scoot around. Um, I still can't believe I'm saying that as an adult. Auckland's the same, just full of scooters, adults on scooters everywhere. But it's very beautiful, it's lush, it's green, 
which is in complete contrast to some of the political nonsense that's going on right now. Um, and it's the name, interestingly, is is claimed to derive from the word Canberra with a K K A M B E R A or Canberry, uh, which they say means meeting place in Nunawal. Although an alternative definition, which I prefer. Uh, has been claimed by lo- main, many local people, uh, including a Nunawal elder, uh, who says it actually means woman's breasts, uh, and is the indige- indigenous names for two mountains which surround Canberra, the Black Mountain and Mount Ainsley, which is its highest point, which lie opposite each other. So it probably feels like the right time to move on to the meat of this podcast, which is what employees want in 2022. It's different because it evolves every year. Now, I did a, on the podcast last year, I talked about the Great Resignation and the fact that it was predominantly, uh, predominantly uh, hospitality workers to begin with. It was, you know, it was a real lack of immigration because of the pandemic, which meant that hospitality work was in short supply, which meant if you were really good at your job, you could get more or you could get better conditions. I also said it would eventually reach the corporate world, which it will do this year. And you'll get lots of people doing lots of short-term things like offering way more money uh, to, to individuals. And one of the suggestions that I made in the blog was that organizations, rather than doing that, should focus on building a really good pipeline of people. And the way to do that is to build a really great, great culture. You know, over the next three, six, nine, 12 months, I'm here in Canberra to do my first uh, culture workshop of the year, work with a team of culture, you know, and, 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 and really start to look to attract people. You know called it the great attraction because what employees are looking for is different this year than it has been in previous years and that's not unsurprising that's something that you would expect every year you know the world of work changes um, we're getting different generations in the workforce itself so of course it, it, it's going to change and of course coming out of the pandemic you know and what you know one of the things that we've seen over the last six to eight months is the rise of hybrid working and people looking for greater flexibility around where work takes place so that's something that that, that they're looking for um I, I you know i don't think there's the clamor for complete working from home i don't i haven't come across i haven't met many people who want to work from home 24 100 uh, percent of the time but they do want that trust and trust has been lacking in businesses for, for for so long now for so long we've had this lack of trust in employees which is why you know people like managers like to see staff but by the same token you know uh, employees have got to do their bit so i think you know that's the first thing is this this concept of being able to do work from anywhere uh, and at any time so i think during 2022 and then beyond we'll see this erosion of the nine to five five days a week in the office you know we've started the process now it's going to be gradual it's not going to be immediate all these people promising you know all these organizations promising the hybrid work all of the time i think they'll have they're going to have to dial that back interestingly um yesterday so i was reading a, um, an article on the plane here to canberra so it's Google spending almost a billion dollars to uh, reinvigorate its office space. 
So it's doubling down on that. And yet, it was only two years ago that they were talking about hybrid work and how you know they're not going to expect anybody to go in the office. Well, well why would you spend a billion dollars on your offices um, if, if you know if you're not going to expect people to go there? Now, I think what they're doing, and much the same as at Lassie and here in Australia, is that you know they've doubled down on, on building an entirely new office and not even revamping and building a completely new tower block. Is the the they want to make workplaces places where kind of productive stuff happens rather than but you know and and the, and the tech companies have always been good at it as well. You imagine working in a government office here in Canberra, and I'm I'm picking on government because I'm in Canberra. It's often just lifeless, soulless managers in offices with closed doors. Like all that really kind of old-fashioned st- stuff, which they'll argue, oh, it's really needed. We have private commas, like you know, and been arguing that since the Frederick Winslow Taylor days, <laughs> the engineering days of it's a production line. You know, this is work. Work happens. Great. Yeah, well, why don't you just trust employees to work where they feel is, you know, the best, such that productive work can happen. So, so you know, Google are, are spending money. So I think you know. Certainly, from, from from the research that I've been doing, and from what I've been seeing working with my own clients, is there's going to be a, there's going to be a, a, a healthy mix uh, of the of the two of working from home and to make sure that um, you know I, that people have got spaces where they can do productive work. Um, um, the, the next thing I think you'll see this movement away from. Uh, kind of key performance indicators I, it's been long overdue to be honest because uh, I, I disagree with key performance indicators because I think what that does is it puts the emphasis on the individual it makes it all about the individual and it's not about team you know in, in Culture Fix I wrote about team goals I wrote about objective key results OKRs are a much better way of doing things because what it does is it puts the emphasis on the team to create the goals themselves by which they'll measure themselves. And so what you've got then is this real focus on team outputs. So not on the inputs, but very much on the, the outputs of work. What will be achieved? When will it be achieved? You know, And, and the Agile movement was kind of really built out of a lack of trust that, that uh, managers had in employees. And employees were like, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to create kind of cultures where we're going to incrementally improve product rather than focus on these kind of big bang approaches and you know agile feels ages ago now like three years ago this rise of the agile movement um, and and hopefully more and more organizations will move towards those kind of models for appropriate work not for everything uh, the the next thing I, I personally and I'm encouraging this on the podcast I think I think employees need to, to take more control of their destiny, which sounds like a ridiculous thing to say because you were always in control of it. But I think what what happens is people join organisations and then they expect to get promoted through the ranks based on years of service and good work, and it doesn't always happen in that way. And and, and so I think you know, and we're seeing that certainly we're seeing this with our own children who are you know kind of fifteen and fourteen, is they have plans. They, they have motivations, but they're not going to be prepared to wait around. You know, our daughter especially is, you know, already at 14 is very, very ambitious. 
she's not going to sit in an organisation for three years and watch people pass her by, you know, if she's doing all of the things. And, and, and so I think what we've done in the past, and I, you know, it's something I used to do, I was no different as an employee, is I used to look for, to my company to develop me rather than me actually investing the time and effort outside work. And actually, I would say my career changed when I decided to invest my own time and effort and give up, you know, kind of week, weekdays and weekends doing my own study. And I don't necessarily mean a university course, although that's what you could do. I just mean kind of small things that make, could make a real difference. I've written about in the past how when we first arrived in Wellington in 2007, eight. You know, I didn't know any, literally didn't know a single person. And so I went to networking events to meet people, but also to find out what other people were doing in the world of work. And that's become slightly harder over the last few years, of course, it has, because we're not able to go and meet people. Although, you know, some, some uh, you know, I've spoken at lots of virtual conferences where that opportunity has arisen. And so I think, you know, I think we'll see more and more employees who take it upon themselves to develop themselves. And, and that will push them then to think about, well, is this the right place for me to develop my skills? Which leads me to the next thing, um, which I think organisations will start to take culture way more seriously this year. I, th- I, I think you'll start to see that. Now, I've been talking about it for four or five years. Other people in my field have been doing, doing likewise, some for even longer, about the fact that... that culture is the difference between success and failure and it absolutely is you guys listening to this you know it is you've heard me say it before you feel it yourself you know that when you've been the most successful you can be it's when you're surrounded by people who want the same things as you when you feel trusted and empowered to do your work when you're you, you exist within a when you're working within a culture that's got your best interests at heart that's looking after your health and well-being like all of these things Towards the tail end of last year, I was, I was so busy. It, 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 oh my God, I used the busy word. It's way too early. Way too early. Um, I had so much work on. And this year already, you know, I've got so, so much work on. Which is great because I think organisations are like, you know what? We're starting to see that the way to retain great people is to build something that they not only want to join but want to stick around and stay with. And so... I think more and more organisations will stop taking the quick fix routes. And listen, we'll get some kind of quick fix this year. We will. Um, we've got. I, I, I think we're at the tail. Everything that I read from the experts, not opinion, is that we're at the tail end of the virus now. It certainly doesn't feel like it felt a year ago, uh, which is good. A lot of the people dying, which is unfortunate. Um, it's unfortunate, it's desperately sad. But, you know, I, I, I think we're at the tail end. So there, there will be those things that come through. Um, but, but, but I think, you know, we'll see a greater emphasis on culture because employees want a greater emphasis on culture. They do. I think there's going to be more pressure brought to bear on senior managers. I wrote about this in my blog last week. Is employees are not prepared to accept any more harassing bullying behavior they're not prepared to tolerate anymore these corporate cultures these toxic cultures um they're not even prepared to tolerate anymore and you might be one of them kind of stagnant cultures where nothing happens like i I got i was at my unhappiest i would say not when i was you know i worked one organization where the manager was a bit of a bully that wasn't my most unhappy my most unhappy was i had nothing to do 
I was so bored and devoid and, uh, of energy. Um, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. So I think so. I think employees will put the emphasis on that. They want a voice. They want to be involved. My last culture workshop that I ran last year was 130 people. And someone came up to me in one of the breaks and she was like, this is game changing. She said, this is game changing for me. She's like, not only are we doing something that we've never done before. She's like, but I'm involved in it. She said, too often in the past, we would do these kinds of things and it would be the top 30 people. She said, but we're involved in everyone and that's a game changer. She said, I feel like that this is something that I want to be part of, which I thought was fine. I mean, fair play to the leadership team for, for doing something different, right? And I think that's what, that's what we need. I think, I think employees want to use leverage technology more, uh, but they... But they want it to be done in a way where they don't feel overwhelmed by it you know we saw the rollout of Microsoft Teams last year predominantly and I think what organisations will do is try and force more and more stuff down there rather than thinking about well what's the common sense approach what's the balance here between face to face discussion so many things were video call last year that didn't need to be so, so many things um, and, and, and so part of that cultural definition, I think there needs to be this agreement on how technology will be used to support productive, collaborative uh, work. And I think, you know, as part of that, what employees want is just more time to do stuff. More time. I think every, literally every organisation I've worked with, when I speak with employees, you know, when I'm working here in camera this week, it'll be no different. The key things that people want is fewer meetings, fewer emails, and just more time to actually get stuff done. Now, don't get me wrong, everyone's part of that and everyone's part of the problem when it comes to meetings and emails. But leaders have got to show them that this never-ending back-to-back nonsense has to end. Right? If, if you want productivity, if you want results, if you want efficiency, then you need to give people time. I think what employees want, you know, is largely driven by the need for more time. Need for more time. Because once you have more time, then it's easier to develop yourself. Once you have more time, it's, it, 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 it's easier to put effort into cultural evolution. When you've got more time, you can focus on the things that matter. Um, and you can challenge some of the bureaucracy that you have in place that, that, that's held you back for years. When you have more time, you can think about how to use technology in the right way. And so, you know, when I think about what employees want this year, particularly office-based employees, and it's largely my audience, I think time is key. Having more time to do productive work leads to happiness, leads to greater productivity, and from that you build cultures worth joining. All right, that's your podcast live from Canberra today. I hope you have a great week ahead and look forward to speaking to you soon. Terrific.